Uh, I need your opinion. Um, so this episode is a mixed bag. I don't know whether to call it a third mixed bag or mixed bag three. Do you have an opinion on the matter? Um. <laughs> don't hurt yourself there, champ. <laughs> no, I was I was trying to get a really terrible D's nuts pun in there. Um, you know, like mixed nuts three, D's nuts, but it just wasn't happening. So it's late. <laughs> yeah, it's late. <laughs> so I'll flip a coin and then I'll decide, and then well, people will know by the episode title when this drops Wednesday. So, uh, to be decided. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Alright, let's do this. Episode 74. Alright. Uh, <clears throat> Hello world, welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. It's uh, winding down on volume 3. We have this episode and then uh, episode 75 will be the will be it. And then moving on to volume uh, fucking 5. It's late right now. It, I, I'm going to be stumbling, but bear with us. Bear with me, at least. So, yeah, this is episode 74. We have episode 75 coming out in two weeks, and that's going to be it for volume four, and then volume five is it. We're going to wind it down to 100, to episode 100, and that's going to be it for this iteration of the pod. But before I get too farther ahead of myself, let me welcome back my hetero life mate, my brother from another mother, Benjamin Alexander Casson. How you doing tonight, man? I am good. I am sweaty and tired. I just played some soccer. And yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how my brain works for this episode. I can't wait. It's going to be an adventure for both of us because I've had a long day as well. This will be going out Wednesday. We're recording this the Monday because it's kind of <gasps> it was kind of last minute slapdash, but like like a trooper, Ben was ready to go. Like he was That's like, right. "Yeah, I'm here." I have I have my uh, notepad notepad here and my pen, and it's completely blank. So let's get it. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Uh, yeah, so it's Monday night. Uh, it's been a good weekend, although I was kind of under the weather, Crohn's related, but that's a matter for, that's a whole other issue. But I'm alive. I'm actually going to Alexandria next week, man, for work. It's going to be... That's yeah. terrible. Well, you know, I don't have to pay any money, and it's a free trip to Alexandria, but uh, yeah, it's going to be some training. Not, wait, 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 wait. They're not paying you to go to Alexandria? No, I mean, I'm, they're paying me. It's part of my job, but like, oh, okay. I'm not okay. like footing the airline bill or the hotel bill. Like they're, they're wait a minute, me. wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we talking Alexandria, Louisiana or Alexandria? <laughs> no, Alexandria, Virginia, right outside of oh, DC. Oh, okay. I understand now. Never mind. I'm not going <laughs> to hate on that city. <laughs> Little, like, why would your job send you there? Little insight into the in-state animosity and rivalry that certain people in Louisiana have for Alexandria, <laughs> Louisiana. No, no, no. I, uh, my company, which I'm not going to really go into publicly here. Uh, we have three headquarters, and one of them is in Alexandria, Virginia. We are transitioning to some new software with my company and my department, and so I have to fly there everybody's flying there to train with it. So yeah, I'm going to Alexandria next week. It'll, it'll be nice to see some people. I'll get to see my boss who I've only seen twice and I've worked for him over a year now. 
Like wow, yeah, we uh, we he 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 lives. He he doesn't. I, I mean, I'm in Austin, Texas, and I work at home now. But uh, but yeah, he he lives in Michigan, and he also works remotely. And so it'll be it'll be cool. We'll see each other in person, and you know, hopefully everything will go smoothly next year. But that's you know that's a whole week away. Um, how was your weekend, Ben? I did do this weekend. Um, Raise well, a child. I had, <laughs> well, I did do that. <clears throat> I played a D and D session, and uh, I worked. And what else? I feel like there was something else, but but honestly, probably not because I don't lead a particularly interesting life. I I think you live an interesting <laughs> life because I think normal lives can be interesting in their own certain way. So I don't know how you and Morgan do it. Like I know how busy both of you are, and then you have a child on top of that, and that's fucking nuts, man. It's pretty it's pretty fucking insane dealing with all that shit. But you know, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. My my weekend was pretty good. Like I said, I was kind of under the weather, so I kind of took it easy, but I still you know. I, saw, I watched a little. I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, the XFL launched this past weekend, and I uh, I watched some of the games. It's fine. I'm not addicted to football, so like I wasn't like, oh, I need my fix. But I was. I had some morbid curiosity, and it's interesting. I remember. I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is the second iteration of the XFL. They launched in the two, early 2000s, and I remember watching the first game of that as a 10 year old. And now it's back, and I'm like, holy shit, this is. Wow, it's way different from where it used to be because it it was mm-hmm. it was it was like the X stands for Extreme Football League, and I'll let your imagination <laughs> roll with that. But the other thing I did, I watched uh, Birds of Prey. Did you have any interest mm-hmm. in seeing that? In the same way that you were morbidly curious about the XFL, that's that's where I'm at with Birds of Prey. Well, like yeah, I'm 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 not thoroughly convinced that DC knows what they're doing with. <laughs> their movies yeah um they've taken some steps in the right direction but uh baby steps baby steps yeah i'm, I'm skeptical well i'll tell you this man i haven't i still haven't watched aquaman to this day because i'm just like nah fuck that movie and i kind of enjoyed wonder woman more or less i am interested in wonder woman 84 which is coming out in this this summer uh what else has come out uh suicide squad was hella dumb and that's all this uh-huh. film needed to be better than and it you know Mission accomplished. It was better than Suicide Squad. <laughs> this actually wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't great, but again, as I've discussed with you and as as I've discussed with my buddy Justin, like especially on this pod, like it not every not every superhero film needs to be a home run. It just you know a double, you know, uh, you know an on base. I'll accept an on base. I'll I'll accept a single man, whatever it takes. I don't need my mind blown every time I see a superhero film. I just want to go see a film where I'm like, hey, I recognize these characters from comic books and TV shows I watched as a small child. Look at them live action. Holy shit, this is cool. That was that was a nice, fun two hours, and that's exactly what Birds of Prey was. Oh, well, looks nice. Even though I did not like Suicide Squad, I thought it was a fucking dumbass film. Margot Robbie, she really is quite exceptional as as uh harley quinn like i gotta hand it to her man she is like she produced this she really wanted to get this film done and she's gonna be in the new suicide squad soft reboot because we've moved on to a phase in cinema history where soft reboots are a thing so uh she's gonna be harley quinn in that and that's being directed by uh james gunn famous for guard the guardians of the galaxy movie with marvel but anyway so all I have to say, she was re- she's really good. Like she is so committed and ha- is so good as Harley Quinn that I'm like, yeah, 
that's the best part of this. That's the best part of that movie. And I'm if she, if she didn't if she wasn't as good if she weren't turning in like an an A plus performance as Harley Quinn, the film would be awful. But because she's good in it, the rest of the film is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about like the Joker in a little bit. We're we're working our way there because we have the Oscars to talk about. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's kind of a big day for me, man. Uh, I've touched upon it on the pod uh, in the past. But yeah, it, I, I got to be honest. This is embarrassing slightly. Today snuck up on me, man. Like today, like I forgot like the day. Like I think I remembered on Saturday. I was like, oh yeah, today's the 8th. Oh shit, Monday's the 10th. Oh fuck. Wow. That uh-huh. really did sneak up on me. Uh, and I am of course referring to, uh, yeah, I don't know if it, is it an anniversary? What would you call it? I guess so. I mean, it's. I mean, it's worth celebrating, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, what do they what do they call it? Like, you, you, you didn't, you weren't part of part of an organization, so you didn't no. chip. But like, what do they call that? Is it is it Chip Day? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm of course, like I said, referring to uh, February tenth, twenty eighteen, was the day I decided to accept sobriety into my life, and Ben knows the story. I don't really feel like recounting all the gritty details, but. And Ben's known me since we were fucking 20 and 19, so it's been a goddamn long time. Hey, man, we've been friends for fucking decade, man. Check that shit out. Math, huh? Yeah, that's the better anniversary anyway. Uh, amen to that. That's what that's worth celebrating. Uh, that's that's 10 years of love. I that's that's more than I can say about a lot of things. Like I mean, you're like don't take this the wrong way, man, but you're the second No, you're my third longest cl- well fourth sorry buddy fourth because i have like because i've been friends with justin since i was like 13 or 14 i've been friends with dalvin who you met since i was 16 and my buddy joe who i just hung out with the other day we've been friends since high school so you're like the you're the longest college friendship i've had does that make you feel any better yeah i guess i'll take it (laughs) until until i get the detail worked out on my time machine i'll have to settle Anyway, so Ben's known me for quite a while now, but he's seen me uh, at my lowest, and he's very aware, he can attest to this, that I was slowly destroying myself with alcohol, all in, you know, good fun, but still slowly but surely destroying myself, and it reached a point two years ago to this day that I decided, yeah, enough's enough, so, yeah, it's been a good two years, man. I, I I've talked about it online, and I think you saw it on Facebook, and I you saw it on my Instagram that uh, I'm very grateful for you and several other people in my life because if it wasn't for y'all, I would not have been able to make it two years. I don't think I would have made it two days without y'all because you, Morgan, Stephen, my mom, my aunt Teresa, uh, Justin, like. I leaned on y'all a lot these past years, and I'll probably have to keep leaning on you. And I have to say, I'm very, not to get all emotional and sappy here, but like, uh, I'm very grateful that every, that each and every one of y'all was like, anytime you need to call, man, anytime you're having a low moment, just pick, call us. It doesn't fucking matter. If you need to talk about something, if it stops you from drinking, dude, go right ahead. And just gotta say, I'm very appreciative of that, man. I'm glad I have you all in my life. And of course, especially you, so. Yeah, I mean, it's like this kind, this kind of. Uh, I mean, I think it's fair to call it a commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to have a support network in place. You know, that's why. That's why AA is as successful as it is because, like, it's built around 
creating these support networks for people. And so, like, fucking, we're not going anywhere. And so... Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Ben's known some people. I mean, hell, you worked in the (laughs) restaurant business, so you've known true addicts, and you've known people with serious substance abuse issues. And... Oh, yeah. I don't... I, I wouldn't even dare compare myself to their struggle but you know it hasn't been easy there it, it the thing was like you literally have to, i literally had to i don't hey I, I really hate harping on this because i feel like i'm like playing a sad violin you know like i really don't like talking about it but it is i realize now after talking to people who have struggled with recovery and addiction that you need positive stories out there people need to share their positive stories and their and their and their their journey, the big word is journey. Uh, the path, I guess, is just they need to hear these things so they know it is possible. So that's why I'm I'm willing to share like this. Normally, I would be like, it's none of y'all's business and leave me the fuck alone. But uh, the thing is, man, I became conditioned to associate fun with alcohol. And that took those first like few months. Like, you know me, I like to go out. I like to have a good time and I like to party and I like to dance and I like to have a, I mean, you know, so it literally took rewiring my brain. Like it really, like I had to, there were, especially early days, I had to soak in my insecurity and my like, so like when I, when I would drink, especially when I was going out, I'm actually a very reserved, isolated, shy, I guess, person. Um, I mean, not around you. Fuck you. I love you. So I'll fucking embarrass you. Like we are, we, we alienate other people in the room when it's the two of us together. Like we fucking just laugh our, laugh our asses off at each other. But when I'm, when I'm in a group, especially when I'm alone, I tend to like turn into a piece of furniture. Like I just like take up my own space and please leave me alone. Uh, so uh, to do, to go out, I would have to drink to kind of diminish that insecurity in my brain. And in my that struggle, so not having that crutch of alcohol that took God, it took like three or four months where I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. And then I just finally like just fucking did it, and it was not fun. It was so not fun. Like everyone wants to, everyone's dude. I can't tell you, and I really do appreciate this. I'm not trying to humble brag at all, but like I've told this story to people, and people who didn't know, they're like, Oh my God, John, you're so strong and brave and good for you man good for you and i'm like dude i didn't fucking cure cancer i really didn't do that much i really did like is am i uh, please don't feel this like asking you to pat me on the back here but i mean i don't feel like what i did you knowing knowing my my patterns of abuse and knowing like knowing my behavior i I mean i was just a fuck up i was just a i just cold and couldn't hold my liquor man and it was like fucking up my life I, i i just don't think like Am I am I am I out of base? Am I doing being too self-effacing right now, Ben? Please bring some um, objectivity to this. So I I feel like the severity of the problem doesn't define whether or not it's a problem. Yeah. So I don't think that it's like you said earlier. Like I know people who have had serious substance substance abuse issues. Yeah. The fact that they're like depending on how you define it, their addiction may or may not have been more severe than yours doesn't mean that it's not a big deal for you to have overcome the problem that you overcame. 
Yeah. So yeah, you didn't, you didn't like change the world or anything. Like you're not going to get the Nobel Peace Peace Prize for this, but like you changed it in a small way. You know, you changed things that affect you directly and that affect the people that you are in their world directly. Yeah. So in that way, you've changed the world. Well, if Obama can win the Nobel Peace Prize, I certainly think I at least should be considered. I mean, seriously, what the fuck did he do to get one, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll try I'll try and get your name in the hat. <laughs> uh, I just want the prize money, honestly. Fuck, you could keep the award. Just give me the five. I think it's five hundred. Is it a million or five? I can't remember. But it's like a lot of money. And I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Just... Direct deposit that shit right there in that bank account right there. <laughs> let's let's move on from this. But I just it is a big deal. I know it's a big deal, and and I'm proud of myself. I haven't done much with my life, but I am proud of this. I just don't like talking about myself like that. Like I'll I'll talk about what I think about things and what I feel about things, but talking about my own insecurities, my own vulnerabilities, I struggle with that. And uh, the older I get, the more I realize. Nah, man, you got to talk about that. You got to wear that shit out because, like, everybody has some, everybody has something, and you know, we we don't need to struggle alone. Like, that's what I'm learning is you don't need to struggle alone. You can, you're not a burden by just, you know, expressing your your shortcomings and your in yeah, expressing your shortcomings. So people who love yeah. you don't mind. People who love you are here for that shit. That's why they're there. <laughs> That's what I've had to learn in the whole sobriety thing. Like, you know the people you love and love you? They're there for a reason. For when you can't handle shit on your own, you lean on them. Like, that's what friends are fucking for. Like, seriously. Mm-hmm. I, see, I had to learn that. I'm not a very smart person. I, I, I just thought, why would I burden my friends and loved ones with my problems? <laughs> they have better things to do with their lives, you know. Just like, yeah, that. But that's that's kind of the point of having friends and family. Anyway, so that's the lesson I've learned. And again, I'm thankful. And for anyone who is dealing with anything of their own, I just find help. Again, we're all in this together. You don't need to struggle alone. And just find help and lean on people if you can. And just don't give up. Just don't ever give up. That's Jimmy V right there. Anyway, let's move on to something. I guess more or less cheerful, depending on your perspective. Are you ready to talk about the Oscars? Uh, yeah. I know, I you, I know you didn't I watch think. it. I know you didn't watch it. Do you? But let, let me ask you this: If you had, if you were off last night, uh, would you have watched it? So I would have treated it almost the same as I did last night. So <clears throat> I put it on okay. at work, but I was working. Yeah. So like, I would turn around and see a few things, and I'd be like, "Oh, okay, that's nice." If I was off. I would do the same thing. You know, I, I would have it on in the background and I would like take my head up when they said, then the nominees are, and I'd be like, oh, okay. And yeah. then I would wait and see who won and be like, okay, whatever, fuck off. See, here's the thing with me. You know this. I'm a huge film. Not only am I a huge film buff, I'm a huge business of Hollywood buff. Like I, I, I can have an in-depth conversation with anyone about box office numbers and production budgets and marketing budgets and, you know contracts and how much did this actor make and then after they won an oscar now they can ask for this i love that shit i love that shit so this for me i'll just say this man the oscars are as important or more important to me than the super bowl yeah like they are the non-sporting event of the year for me like they are like i mean they happen every year they happen right after the super bowl now because the super bowl happened so late in the year and it's like the super bowl 
the Oscars and then the NBA Finals. And then, you know, if there's if it's if it's a compelling postseason in the in the in you know, the MLB, or if we have the Olympics like we do this year, I'll be like, okay, yeah, I remember those. Or like a World Cup, but like the Oscars is up there for me, man. I I love the Oscars, even though I find them just as problematic as everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what did you think? What were you, From just like half watching it, I guess, what were your overall takeaways from it, if you had any? You know, I, this wasn't a good year for me in cinema. Yeah. Um, I didn't see a ton of the nominated pictures. Yeah. I'm glad to see from simply a cultural standpoint that Parasite did as well as it did. Yeah. I think that it's hilarious that they even have a, we'll say that they've changed it. It's not a foreign language film award anymore. It's It's an international international film, film. Yeah. Which is also cool. But I think that it's hilarious that you put, (laughs) you put one of those international films nominees into the running for best picture and it's like why even have the category just give it to them obviously they're the best international film if they're one of the best films of the year so that was hilarious to me yeah um i feel bad i I did feel bad for the other films in the international film category they just did they even show up i mean i would show up you're invited go to the oscars you never know when you'll be back but honestly like i mean did you bother writing a speech? Like, did you, what, did you like, eh. In, in, in interviews, did you go, I'm not winning this, I'm, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Parasite, man. What a night, though. I, I thought that they, I knew, it would, obviously I knew it would win international. I thought it would win Best Picture. No, okay, so I thought that 1917 would win Best Director and Best Picture. I figure I knew her parasite would win best uh international film. I actually thought they would give best screenplay, best original screenplay, which uh Parasite won. I thought they'd give that to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a consolation uh-huh. prize to Quentin Tarantino for he wasn't gonna win Best Picture or Best Director, so they're like, Well, we'll give him best writer, basically. Uh-huh. So But yeah, man, fucking Parasite fucking swooped in and fucking Yay Korea, man. God damn. Uh-huh. So I saw let me let me pull up the list again. I want to make sure I have all the Okay, so for the record, I saw there were 9 films nominated for best picture and I saw 6 of them cuz I went out of my way especially the last couple weeks to go out of my way to, and I saw uh Little Women and I saw Parasite. I saw Joker when it came out. I saw Jojo Rabbit as soon as I could. Oh, and I also saw 1917 in the past 2 weeks. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we both saw separately. Yeah, so you just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, huh? No, I watched Joker also. Oh, you did? So I did. Honestly, I'll, I'll, since you didn't see all of them, or a lot of them, and I saw a little bit more than you, uh, honestly, yeah, Parasite was probably the best film out of that one. But I'll say this, man, like a lot, I saw a lot of people, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw a lot of people like sucking it off royally, like giving it the biggest fellatio I've ever seen. Which, mm-hmm. hey man, fucking no, no, no shade, no hate in that man. Hate the player, not <laughs> don't hate the player, hate the game, right? But like, it was really, really, really good. But it did mm-hmm. not like blow my mind. Like, wow, this is a landmark film. Like, it was a really good film. Like, I was like, wow, that was really good. I felt the same way after I saw like Moonlight. Like, I was like, wow, I've never seen a film like this. This is a very mm-hmm. good film. But yeah, I think it was better than Joker. 
I think that it was definitely better, definitely better than Joker, and definitely better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I really liked Jojo Rabbit. Really loved it. I wouldn't have been mad at that one best film, but that uh, that was a long shot. Little Women. That was fine. It was all right. Like it was a novel adaptation. You know, the film's been that book's been out. Adapted so many freaking times, and it was really well. I think Greta, I definitely think Greta Gerwig deserved a director nomination because I really felt like she was the star of that film. And 1917, I would say 1917 and Parasite were the two best films out of that category. And I thought that's why I thought 1917 would win because you know, white people in a war, uh, uh, Academy voters love that shit, they eat that shit up. But maybe we have a paradigm shift, maybe. Maybe Parasite, Shape of Water, Moonlight will be the no- new norm and not the fucking exceptions anymore. So, mm-hmm. did you have an opinion? What did What did you? Okay, so what did you think about the two you saw, Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? So you and I disagreed on our uh, opinions about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun, and literally the ending of that movie had me in stitches because yeah. it was just so what the fuck. And I was waiting for something so Tarantino. But Joker, I'll give it to Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, he, definitely. He, he had a great performance in that movie. Absolutely. You know? But the movie itself, I feel like... I feel like it suffered because of its insistence on being about nothing. Well, would you, would it, you it say... It insists yeah. upon itself. <laughs> Robert Duvall! <laughs> <laughs> I like the money pit. <laughs> uh, no, man, like, God, okay, so I had the same problem, the same conclusion with both films, but for different reasons. But, like, yes, I'm very happy that Brad Pitt won an Oscar because he was really good in it, and the fact that Brad Pitt did not have an Oscar before now is, I mean, come on. Wait, that was his first win? Yes. What the fuck? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Fucking go figure. And if I'm wrong... Uh, sorry, but I'm pretty sure that was his first win. Because, I mean, he's been on a lot of shit, but he's never been, like... I mean, he does a lot of... He did a lot of prestige shit, but he also does, like, random shit where it's just like, hey, man, he's fucking Brad Pitt. He does whatever the fuck he wants because he's fucking Brad Pitt, right? So, I'm very happy for Brad Pitt because he deserves an Oscar. He does not deserve to not have one. And Joker, I'm really glad, especially after that speech. I really loved Joaquin Phoenix's speech. Like, the little last bit where he talked about his brother like almost brought me to tears but um so i'm very happy that he will be memorialized for you know winning for that performance nothing else about that film deserves to be remembered yeah. once upon a time in hollywood and joker were boring as fuck like they were fucking boring like i was just like now were the entire films boring no each film had redeeming qualities each film had uh, very interesting things, interesting bits, but overall, like over fifty percent, fifty-one percent or greater of that of both films were fucking boring, dude. Just indulgent, excessive, just like God damn it! Can we get to the fucking point here? <laughs> I did not, I I did not hate Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I I would like to believe that two or three more times seeing that film, uh, I'll probably grow to like it and find something I love about it. But first time I saw it thought it was excessive, self-indulgent, boring. I doubt I will ever watch Joker again because that movie was fucking boring. God damn. Like every, it's one of those films where every, I got out of that film, Benjamin, and I was like, everybody was losing their mind over that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was okay. The last 20 minutes were good, but most of that film was boring and sad and dour and fucking, ugh. 
I said this once, I'll say it again. In a two-hour film called Joker, I need more than 20 minutes of Joker actually Jokering. You know? Mm -hmm. So, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me, it worked for me because it was like slice of life in, you know, like in that, in, you know, late 60s, early 70s. From Quentin Tarantino, from Quint, big asterisk there, from Quentin Tarantino's perspective, from his vision of what he Yes, was. plus a bunch of bizarre coincidence. Sure. And it all worked for me. Sure. It all worked for me, and it was entertaining mm-hmm. for me. Joker, on the other hand, really, like, like I said, it being about nothing and refusing to take a stand on any issue really made it weird for me, because if I were to dumb it down, and, you know, like uh, uh, Melissa Villasenor saying in her song on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> White Male Rage. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if if I really sat there and broke it down, you know, it's about the character that Joaquin Phoenix plays. Yes, he has some mental health problems, but at the end of the day, it's about misunderstood white man who gets pushed too far and then kills people. And then he's the hero of the film. And there was opportunity there to make a statement on mental health and its importance. But they didn't really do that. And there was an opportunity there. I don't know. It was just... See, I I agree (sighs) with you. I think that it tried to be about... I don't think it was about nothing intentionally. I think it was trying to do too much and then ultimately... Okay, if you're pick a lane here, like what are we fucking? Uh-huh. What, is the, what is the message of this movie? And I just found it. First off, I was completely against its existence from jump. Like I was like, why are we doing an origin story in the Joker? The Joker doesn't need an origin story. This is fucking stupid. But I gave it a shot. I, I tried to keep an open mind. But honestly, I was just like, I don't care about this character. I do not fucking care about this character. Like I'll say this, and I talked about Birds of Prey. I care about Harley Quinn because she starts off in an abusive relationship and the whole film is about her emancipation. I'm like, that is interesting to me. That is someone escaping something and trying to better themselves. I have a hard time. And this is just Joker. This is any film where a uh, anti-hero or a villain is the protagonist. I'm like, I don't give, why would I care about this person? They're doing stuff I don't agree with. And I don't find appealing at all. How, how am I supposed to connect with this person? And that's a big thing. I was like, you're, you're absolutely right. I think you nailed it on the head. Like this film could have been about, mental health and white male rage and just like but it kind of celebrated that and i'm just like yeah right yeah it's like what like people that 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 fucking staircase in brooklyn people yeah. are like finding it out to go dance on it because yeah. literally a crazy homicidal maniac did it in the movie in slow motion yeah man and again props to joaquin phoenix he fucking he hit it out the park but like dog this is not a good per like why are we what? It's like when people emulate Scarface or like emulate I don't know, fucking taxi driver or some shit. Or just like uh what's your boy from I'm I'm tripping, it's late, from Clockwork Orange. Alex uh The Large. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Malcolm McDowell. These these people aren't good people. Why are we what what? Are we like what? What? Yeah, it's my it's my problem with a lot of anti-hero movies. Yeah. Like if you want to make an anti-hero movie, you have to make me sympathize with the anti-hero by like yeah. giving me like there is something that's really bad and this 
still bad person is still better than that really bad thing. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a tricky window. It's a tricky needle to thread. But I really think that if you're going to make a film about villains or antiheroes, they need to be tragic and they need to be about self-destruction and mm-hmm. not about celebration and uh, fulfillment. Like, it's yeah. like, I don't find that interesting. Like, I just don't find that interesting. And I did not find Joker that appealing outside of Joaquin Phoenix's performance. But I had problems with that. Like, everybody loved his laugh. thought it was fucking terrible. He's not a better Joker than fucking Heath Ledger. He's not a better Joker than Mark Hamill. Yeah. So it's well, like, he's fine. But it was like I just I just had problems with the characterization of the Joker and the whole yeah. a really big thing that I don't think we talked about that was t- that was discussed enough about that film was the whole imaginary girlfriend thing. Like I was like, mm-hmm. we're just gonna we're just gonna skate past that, huh? Okay, all right, sure. Because I mean, that's fine, I guess. I mean, <sighs> yeah. So did um was it entirely fan- fantasy or like did he rape her? I because I, I I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around that one yeah and that's another issue i had with it and i mean we're not gonna dwell on joker the entire rest of the episode but that's one of the issues i had with that aspect i'm like you know the joker's a serial killer right like he's a madman he's a sociopath he's like a monster and y'all are like if you're if you're gonna do him justice you gotta show all the evil and wickedness like you don't they don't i feel like they they kind of take it up to a point where he, you know, spoiler alert, or five, four, three, two, one, spoiler alert, when he shoots De Niro, and, like, maybe he does rape Zazie Beats, and he kills that dude in his apartment, but, like, that's all he does. Like, that's all the evilness that he does, and I'm like, yo, man, the Joker and the comics and the TV shows and everything that's come before this, like, he's a fucking badass. This dude is fucking sad, dude. Like, I just don't, I don't fear him. I don't feel like he's threatening. I just feel like he's a pathetic mentally ill person i'm just like yeah that's not worth celebrating man i don't find that interesting i find that really sad so whatever but i guess it is a step in the right direction for comic book films if you want to call this a comic book film i feel like it was a oscar bait film masquerading as a comic book film so you know that's it's whatever uh but yeah 1917 i really think you would enjoy that it's a very tense film i really think you'd enjoy parasite like i think everybody would enjoy parasite because uh I think it was a very fascinating story. And I think the director, Bong Joon-ho, he had a great quote, and I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this dude's one of our comrades. I, I'm paraphrasing <laughs> where he talks about, like, uh, he's like, I, I tried to make a film about uh, aspects of Korean culture. And I think it's been popular around the world because we all live in the same country called capitalism. I was like, mm-hmm. man, this dude fucking gets it. And that that was the that is the most fascinating thing about that film is the class commentary and the socioeconomic struggle and stuff. So it was mm-hmm. it was very interesting. I think I'll like it more if I watch it two or three more times. I think you would love it, dude. Seriously. Yeah, I want to check it out. And um, just I don't I don't know if you've uh, made this or attempted to make this comparison or not, but. They seem very similar in tone. Uh, 1917 and, um, fuck, what's the name of that movie? That, that Nolan movie. Oh, Dunkirk? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I talked to my brother about this because he saw it and he really enjoyed it. But he, before he saw it, he's like, was it like Dunkirk? I was like, I mean, it's, they're both war movies, but they're different flavors of war movies. Like, they're doing, they're, they're doing two different things. And I think that one is a, I mean, I don't want to spoil 1917, but one, Dunkirk is about retreat, success, a successful retreat, and 
1917 is about a journey to save lives, but like it's one man's journey to save a bunch of people's lives or two people's journey through uh, to save a bunch of people's lives. So one is about like like a nation, like the British, uh, the United Kingdom, like saving their boys off the beach and like, you know, we'll live to fight another day. And it's like you know, 1917 was more like one person can one person it only takes one person to save the day and you know the fight will go on but you know it it only takes one of us and it is about like loss and detachment from people back home and they're 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 two different types of war films but both are really good i really enjoyed both of them very much uh last thing i'll say i did want to see ford versus ferrari i will see that because it's james mangold and i like james mangold uh, I have no real desire to see Marriage Story because movies about divorce fuck with me because as a child of divorce, I don't like thinking about these things. And lastly, fuck The Irishman. I am not fucking watching. Dude, that movie is three and a half hours long. Three and a half hours long. Scorsese special. Dog, I'm not wasting three hours of my three and a half hours of my life on a film that I'll probably be like, yeah, that was okay. Nah, fuck that. Fuck all of that. No, thank you. Was I happy that that film went home empty-handed? I mean, I wasn't not happy. <laughs> anyway. All right, we're at four. Yeah, let's talk about D&D. Let's skip the impeachment. Fuck. The whole rest of the country skipped the impeachment, so we might as well fucking move on from that shit show. Sounds good. Uh, that's a whole other pod. Um, fuck the Republicans. If I could speak for Ben on this one, fuck the Republicans. Fuck them forever. Anyway. Mitch McConnell can go fuck off and die. When I when I arrive at Satan's hellhole, I'll just take pleasure when I see Mitch McConnell there too. I'll be like, good, good. I'll see you. <laughs> Basically, I'm saying I'll see you in hell, Mitch McConnell. And that's not a threat. <laughs> that is a fucking, you know, down the line. I'll see you in hell, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't want him to die. Like, I don't want him to fucking face any violence or harm. But like, yeah, I'll see you in hell. That was a little dark. But, you know, it's late. And fuck that dude. Um, so yep. let's move on to last bit because we talked about this the other night. We actually talked to each other for almost an hour last night about – or was that Sunday? No, it was Saturday? That was Thursday? Was it? God damn it. Maybe. My, my, my nights are blurring together. Anyway, we'll we'll wrap up on this. We're not going to do any questions because Ben's done the questions before and we're not fucking doing that. Uh, but this will just be another mixed bag. You know, it'll be just another filler episode because we have one at this episode and one left to go. And then we're going to take a break for like two and a half months. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about some Dungeons and Dragons, man. Uh, this is probably the point where some people will turn off because they think it's nerd shit. But I would disagree, man, because, yes, while we are both nerds, it is not exclusive to nerds. Wouldn't you agree, Benjamin? I would. It's kind of bizarre how that's happened recently, but uh, I'm not complaining about it. So, why don't you give a little breakdown on your experience with D&D and what you're currently doing with D&D right now. Okay. So, Dungeons and Dragons, it has the nerdy name. You know, it's been associated with nerds from the get-go in the 70s. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, but at the end of the day, um, D&D is like it's it's similar yet dissimilar to any RPG that you might have played, you know, on on any console like Final Fantasy or you know even some of the more action RPGs like Mass Effect or whatever. King, Kingdom Hearts. You know, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. Sure, we'll we'll throw that in po- there. Why po- not? Pokemon. Po- Pokemon. Pocket Monster. Yeah, we we can we can throw Pokemans in there. Pokemans. Um, 
Yeah, Pokemon, the plural, right? Um, what, what's all with the Pokemon? Where's the Poke women? What kind of fucked up chauvinist game is this? I don't know. What kind of fucked up chauvinist, not even chauvinist, fucked up system is it where, like, you have all of these Pokemon doing slave labor and, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's fucking Fight Club. Isn't this there. what Michael and Vick you know went to jail sentient. for? <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> And there's like continents, like an entire world that does it. And then you fight these people, and if they lose, they give you their money. And if you lose, you give them their, like you give them your money, and then you literally faint because you ran out of money. And the protagonist is 10 years old? What the fuck? Shouldn't he be in school? And they're like, yeah, you know, just go on your fucking journey and like literally walk over the continent sometimes go to different continents like Uns- what? unsupervised i wouldn't <laughs> trust a 10 year old with my car what the fuck i know and then and then you fucking trust them to these slave labor pokemon that somehow refuse to revolt and like you've got to like you ride on their backs while they, while they like swim through the ocean and up waterfalls and like it's like what is going on and you can fucking ride them like like a fucking airplane? Do they regulate that travel? Oh my god, you can breed them? And you can fucking sell them? And you can fucking trade them? Like, what the fuck? Anyway, D&D. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So, yes. So, so yeah, you're, you're talking about your personal history with D&D. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like any of those RPGs um, that you may be familiar with, whether very familiar or just passingly familiar, but the point is like you fight some stuff and you have some choices in your gameplay whether that's how you play the game or how you interact with the people in the game that you're playing with and you know you you tell a story with your actions and your choices yeah so at the base of the game that's what it is the difference is with D, you can do all of the stuff that you wish you could do in the video game but you know, they didn't program that shit in there. Like, you could talk, you could be talking to some random, this is like the basic case, you could be talking to like some random shopkeeper, and you know, you fucking, if you're playing Skyrim or whatever, they're like, are you interested in some wares? And you're like, yeah, let me buy this, or yeah, let me sell this. You can be like, yeah, uh, I want to try to seduce him, you know, and then if he says no, and and if if he says no, um, I'm going to try to persuade him that I'm like his king, and he should bow down to me. You know, like you can do all of this. <laughs> I didn't ridiculous... know he had a king. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you can do all this ridiculous stuff in there that like you would never have the opportunity to do anywhere else, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, <clears throat> so it's really fun. I had played a few games, um, and then there were some. There was a, a guy at work uh, who said that he was interested in playing, and he'd never played before. Um, and then he found some other people that were interested, and then they asked me to DM or be the dungeon master. Um, and I had never done it before. It seemed like it was a daunting task, uh, but I was like, you know what? I've got the most experience with the game, so sure, I'll I'll take a whack. I'll take a stab. Um, and it's been really cool, you know, and it's been a learning experience for everybody because I, when I, when I was figuring out what I was going to do 
with my world and my campaign, my story. And that is something that is constantly in flux. And we can talk about that later. But I had written this stuff out and I was looking at it and I realized what I was doing was I was trying to tell my story. And that's the beauty of D&D. Like in all of those RPG games, there is a story. You know, and you would, no matter what choices you make, there are some things that you are just forced to do because that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. With, with D and D, that's not there. Like you can do whatever you want. I could say, you know, I'm going to send them on this journey. They're going to meet this guy. He's going to give them a quest. The second they meet that guy, they could kill him immediately or they could be like, I'm not going to talk to you or they could piss him off so bad by what they're saying or what they're doing that he's like, I don't want to give you your mission. You know, it's all. So the way that the way that you kind of run this game is my job as the dungeon master is to create the world and set up these things that they can discover that will lead them on adventures. Mm -hmm. But it's the player's job to explore and to test things and to find things. And then it's my job to, improv my way around and uh see if i can make something that's entertaining for them <laughs> yeah uh i've dabbled in storytelling myself and i think that D is an amalgam of storytelling and game it's gameplay right so uh-huh. uh and social there's a social aspect there's a community aspect there's there's you know it's it's a it's a bonding experience um so uh ben has called me a couple of times to talk about dming and uh I have no I, – I, full disclosure, I have no history with D, D&D. I've always heard about it. I wasn't against it. Like obviously I had my preconceived notions about it from what you hear from, you know, pop culture and just, you know, around the play – around the playground or around school and stuff like that. And you, you generally associate it with a certain type of person. Uh, but as I've grown older, I've realized that's fucking stupid. Everybody can play D&D and everybody does from all walks of life. You just aren't – you know, you're not paying attention to it. And anyone from – Pretty much anyone from any walk of life could probably get into D&D. There's something there for everybody. Uh, but I've never played it because I just never saw the appeal. Like, it never it never reached out and grabbed me because, like, when I do play games, I usually play so This may not be a shock to some people who know me pretty well. I'm usually – I usually play by myself and I usually do, like, campaigns, like, solo games. Like, I've been playing Resident Evil 2 like crazy past couple weeks and uh, – or past month fuck it's been a month uh so i've been playing that and that's a one-player game and i prefer one-player games like street fighter although you can do multiple you can do two-player in that one i prefer street fighter i prefer kingdom hearts i prefer zelda i prefer prefer a lot of games that are just one player because like i just like man i just want to escape into a world and play this so i never really got the appeal of playing with a group of people but being around y'all because i've sat in on one of y'all's sessions and i i totally get it like i totally get it it's really y'all just finding an excuse to shoot the shit and hang out with each other pretty much yeah and it seemed like it was fun i just don't dude i i I can understand why someone would want to play it and maybe you can touch on that you can give perspective as a player but you've you've given me insight into being a dm and it, it seems very rewarding, but it still is very challenging, and it can be seem like fucking homework at times, and it is. It um, can, you know. I mean, you're writing stuff, but it's really funny. You get to do some stuff in there. I I got to do some shit, and I was like, oh, there's no way that this is going to work, but I'm putting it in here anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can reference so many things and it all worked like it's all worked perfectly so far. Like, for example, I, I designed this cave and um, I don't know if the listeners of this pod are aware. I'm hoping that they are, but I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Didn't know if you guys knew that, but you do now. Uh, if, they, <laughs> if they if they've listened to this pod, I think they've listened to the four hours we did on episodes one through uh, eight, including the two spinoff into the two anthology films, and the hour long, the over an hour long review of the Rise of Skywalker. So I think they're aware if they followed those episodes. Okay, just checking. Um, <laughs> Not to mention the two and a half hours we did of us bickering at each other about The Last Jedi from a couple <laughs> years ago. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yes, he is a bit weird. Ben is a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> yes. So um, I was designing this cave and I put this creature in there that was basically a gigantic worm. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I could throw in a Star Wars reference here? And so I, I included the scene, more or less, where the Millennium Falcon lands in that giant worm on the asteroid in the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back. Um, and it worked so well. I, they, like, I told them, so they went into this cave and I told them, that there were like these rows of like stalagmites and stalactites and then they kind of broke off and it was like damp and musty in there or whatever and the floor was kind of wet. Yeah. Um and they just like went all the way back and they 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 found this I had to I didn't think they were going to get that far in before they realized where they were, but they did. They went all the way to the back of the worm. And so I had to like BS about the biology of the worm <laughs> on the inside. Um, and so they, uh, they, <laughs> they found this, uh, valve basically, uh, for lack of a better word, that was just kind of opening and closing like a stomach valve or whatever. And then they a literally sphincter, stuck if it. You will. <laughs> yes. We actually called it a sphincter. <laughs> there you uh, go. and, uh, they shoved a torch into it. Um, <laughs> And so the worm lost its shit and they were like, oh no. <laughs> and they, and Wait, they literally out, or figuratively? Literally. Ah. Like that's when it all sunk in for everybody, basically. <laughs> and it was perfect. They were all like, oh no, we're inside of something. Yeah. And they ran out and I got to do like the big chomp thing. When the Millennium Falcon flies out, this isn't this isn't a cave. Exactly. Yeah. They they. I was like, I can't believe this is working right now. Yeah. Uh, oh man. See that kind um, of that kind of impro- in, on the spot improvisation like that. That would give me anxiety. Like I'd be like, uh, uh, one moment, please, while the DM fucking tries to pull something out of his ass right now. Uh, that that shit would get that shit would get in me. Uh, so what would you say as a player, a first time player, like, what would you, what would you, what would you tell them? What, what, what would you prepare them for? What tips would you give them? What, where would you put, where would you, where would you suggest their mindset be as a first time player? So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is weird, you okay. know, because at the end of the day, you are, um, you know, there's a set of rules. You have to follow the rules. That's another one of my jobs as DM is to be the rules arbiter, yeah. basically. Like if somebody says that they want to, you know, 
somersault onto a plank of wood to launch a vase up into the air and then shoot it with an arrow. I have to be the one that comes up with the set of um, actions and how to determine how those actions play out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a set of rules you have to follow. Um, but I don't know. If, if you're a first-time player, I'd really suggest... Um, I would suggest that you take time um, figuring out the character you want to play. You know, you create your character, you come up with his backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a DM who is willing, uh, it can make for some really exciting things where elements from your backstory appear in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are really into the role playing of your character, that can be really exciting as a player yeah. to role play out. Um, I was not aware, and this is probably just my own ignorance, I was not aware of how much chance and dice rolling there was. Like, I was like, I I understood, like, wait, so y'all just, like, how do y'all decide shit? How does things work out? And watching it, I'm like, oh, they roll a dice to make, you know, decisions, or they, for stuff to happen, not necessarily for stuff to happen, but I guess the deciding factor of, like, how how things shake out, like, you you just roll dice, and that's why you have, like, what, 20-sided die or some shit like that, right? So... There's there's a ton of die that you, have, that you have to use in this game. There's, I would see. I was never aware of that. I always thought that it was just like I don't know what I thought. Honestly, at this point, I'm like, I guess I just. I guess I was. That's why I could never get into it. I was like, so you just like fucking talk to each other for fucking hours at a time? <laughs> like what 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 the fuck are we doing here? So I guess that I that makes it more functional in my brain. I'm like, oh, okay. So like, if yeah. they're like. Uh, hey, I want to do this. Okay, you got to roll this to do it. Cool, I rolled it. Exactly. All right, cool. Exactly. We're, we're moving at the, on. <laughs> at the end, at the end of the day, that's how it works. Like combat is like the first thing you do if you're attacking something is you you roll to hit it, and yeah. then that determines whether or not you hit it. So obviously, you're you're the thing that you want to do is hit the thing. Yeah. And so you roll to see if you hit it, and then you roll to see how much damage you do. Yeah. And it's the same thing for anything else. If you're doing something that requires some sort of a skill that, like, you wouldn't just be able to do off the cuff. Yeah. You know, like, you want to climb a wall that's, like, 30 feet high and doesn't really have anywhere for you to, like, put your hands into. You know, you say, I want to climb that wall. And I say, okay, we have to roll, and then we'll see if you can actually climb the wall. Okay. So let's let's touch on your current role right now. So this is your first time being a DM. Uh, mm-hmm. What tips or advice would you give? Where would you put their, where would you, where would you suggest a first time DM's mindset be uh, for their first campaign? What, what, what would you suggest? Um, I would suggest uh, my, the strategy that I've taken to this game. Um, and it's kind of been, you know, a dumb luck kind of thing. Uh, so like I said, I was writing out my story and I realized I was writing a story. Um, I wasn't giving agency to my players and that's the whole reason for the game is for the players to have agency. So it's important to make sure that you are not what's called railroading your characters, railroading in that they are on a track. They can't deviate from it. Even if they make a choice, you do something to put them back on the track. That's not cool, um, because it makes it it makes the feel like they don't have a choice, and then playing the game isn't fun. Yeah. Um. So that's a big one. Um. Another one is uh, 
if you want to have really developed background characters and uh, characters that you can, um, you know, interact with and will give you quests and things like that, that's fine. But don't be disappointed if your players don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> it's very possible. You might have players that want to talk to everybody and everybody needs to have a name and everybody needs to have a backstory. Or you might have players that don't give a single shit and they're like, whatever, I just want to go run around and kill stuff. You know, you have to be able to adapt to the style of game that your players want to play. Yeah, it's, you, uh, you have to stay on your, uh, be quick on your feet, stay on your toes and shit like that and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then going along with not putting your your campaign on on rails, um, you know, be willing to change things. Like it's it worked out incredibly well for the campaign that I'm running. I had um, <clears throat> so my players had killed a fire giant, mm-hmm. and I rolled on a treasure table to determine what stuff they found because I didn't predetermine that. Um, and one of the things that they found was a potion of frost giant strength. Instead of just taking it and be like, oh, neato, they were obsessed with it. They were like, why does he have a potion of frost giant strength? Why would he have that? And I was like, oh, I can make a story about frost giants. And so that's what I did. And then it led me to new opportunities that I hadn't planned on before and it led me to an exciting new like area for them to go to and um, some fun backstory stuff that I could kind of sh- like retcon behind the scenes because they didn't know it because I didn't know that it existed when I had written it originally yeah. but it didn't you know flick with anything like it let me do going with the flow like that lets you kind of change things on the fly. And as long as you're kind of, you know what you have told the players, you can change things behind the scenes um, and they'll be none the wiser. And it leads to fulfilling things to the players because they find out about the thing that they were curious about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it's fun for everybody. You know, I, what I find uh, the most fascinating thing about, um, about D and D is, uh, and I'm sure this has been discussed, and uh, there's scholarship and there's academia about it. You know, papers and analysis and whole fucking research has been done on this topic. But like, I find it so fascinating extrapolating D and D and how every like it is the grandfather of video games, what we consider video games, and it is the grandfather of action adventure games it's the grandfather of role-playing games like we were talking about up top like i just find that fascinating like the historical aspect of D's relevance it's like it's it's and it's perseverance like even though technology has changed and technology and D is kind of adapted to technology because it used to be completely like you know obviously it's it's still played on paper and pad and shit like that and dice and stuff like and, and dice and stuff like that but it, I'm sure there's D&D where you can play online. There's D&D you can play, you know, for people all over the world and shit and whatever. But I just find it fascinating how this is the grandfather of, like, one of the biggest segments of entertainment in our modern culture. It's like it can all be traced back to D&D. And it's, I just find that fascinating. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily find the, the actual gameplay of it uh, that appealing. 
maybe one day that'll change, but I just find the historical significance fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anything left you want to talk on D and D you want to wrap this shit up? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I hit all the stuff that I wanted to hit. You should try it out. It's fun. Uh, maybe one day I will. Maybe that'll be the way I can make friends in Austin. Cause I still have like, I have a few friends. Oh, I'm, I'm fucking unsure that they have some ridiculous people there that are always looking for players. Yeah. It seems like the city for it. It's, it's just weird. It's like mainstream <laughs> weird enough to be Austin. Uh, but I think that's a good note to go out on. Uh, I will say this. I I recorded an episode with my cousin's husband, Cedric, last episode. And then prior to that, I had an episode with my friend Tiffany, who you met that weekend for my birthday. Uh, but yeah, man, that was so much fun. Like, I had so much fun. I, I can't tell you how much fun I had. I was... I wish more people could have came, but honestly, I was... It was an embarrassment of riches for me. Like, it was very weird having... uh my Austin friends and my work friends meet my Baton Rouge friends. And then y'all met Dalvin who's been on this show. And y'all also got to hang out with my brother and Gab, my sister-in-law. It was, it was very weird. Like when we were smoking cigars on the patio and it was me, you Dalvin. And I think that gentleman's name was Paul, I want to say. And uh, yeah, man, that was, that was so, that was so, that was, I know this work is starting around, but it was just awesome. That was such an awesome night, and I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. That was yeah. that was very special. Like I really it felt, was very fun. and I got to drink. I know I said I don't drink anymore, but as I'm not ashamed to admit, the only time I do indulge is on my birthday because it feels weird to celebrate a birthday without a little John Jameson in my life. Um, so that was a lovely time. And uh, again, as I said up top, like I'm eternally grateful for. Uh, the loved ones I have in my life and I, you know, I have uh, better friends and family than I deserve. So I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate you recording this episode with me, Ben, especially on such short notice. Anytime. Yeah, man. So I think that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this. We were, it was another mixed bag. You know, we kind of hopped around more so than we normally do. But, you know, uh, yeah, this is just how me and Ben talk. Like if you want an insight on how me and Ben, like a normal conversation with uh that Ben and I may have. This was pretty much this was pretty much it. Um I'll leave you with this, man. Like fun fact, uh I think I've told this story before. I think I told you this story on my at my birthday uh little soiree. Like originally this is what I wanted the pod to be. You and I doing an episode like every two weeks or every month or whatever. But I knew you juggling school a child a job you know a relationship with morgan like you know you had a lot on your plate and i was like i can't i can't reasonably expect him to commit to that that's 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 too much shit for one man so i was like okay so i'll broaden it up to include all my friends not just benjamin so yeah man but this is this exactly this is what i initially wanted the pod to be because it's fun people might not have enjoyed this episode but i had man i always have fun talking to you so yeah, we didn't make it for you. We made it for us. <laughs> this one's for us, all right? Every all these all these other 70 episodes were for them. This one's for us. <laughs> but let's be honest, those Star Wars episodes were pretty much for us too, especially that last Balls. Jedi one. <laughs> all right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh the please like, subscribe, share. Uh the the pod can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts. It's called Apple Podcasts now. Uh, any feedback is is welcomed. Uh, 
you know, tell me how we're doing. Got any suggestions, any feedback? I love feedback. It's always great. And I appreciate everyone listening. And I guess I'll just talk to you later. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. And I, you know, we talk every day. We send memes to each other every day. So I'll just, I'll catch you later, man. Yep. Sounds good. All right. Give my love to Morgan and Amelia. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll see you. I'll be in Louisiana in July. That's the earliest I know that I'll be back in town. July. Yeah, I, I got a family reunion to go to. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it's first one ever. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, uh, this will probably be the last time you're on before volume be, before you're on next volume. So onwards to volume five, man. Last one. Yep. Last yep. L- last ride. The last crusade. <laughs> All right, guys. That's gonna do it for us, man. All right, I'll catch you later, man. All right. Good night. Thank you.